Hello and welcome to this week's Warriors Weekly. Coming up on this week's show, we speak to Kevin Miller, also known as Top of the Moon, about the 12s and 13s who have played for the Warriors over the last 12 to 13 years to celebrate McRae Financial Services renewing as one of our sponsors for the 12th and 13th years. See what we did there? from Scotston. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast. We're here on Warriors Weekly with Adam Ash and Rob Harley this week. Guys, how are you getting on? Doing well, Jeremy. Just I'm doing well, yep, good. Just been smashing each other at malls. Yep, been great fun. Neck's really stiff now. <laughs> what have you been out training this morning? Yeah, we, uh, what did we have this morning? We had um, breakfast first thing, and then we had a meeting uh, covering off some of our defensive focuses for the weekend, and then forwards were in the gym first for a sort of power full body session, um, and then we were outside for units. So for a busy morning. Back split. Yeah, really busy morning. Um, this day, well, normally our long day, which is normally two days out from a game stretches out it's quite quite a long day don't get start kind of eight o'clock in the morning get finished for about half past four if you can call that a long day um and yeah we had some some malls some scrums bit of defensive work out there uh lunchtime now and then we've got about 45 minutes of training so yeah do you always have breakfast and lunch together when you're in training no it varies in the schedule um so so some days it's let's get your own breakfast other days you're you're in together, kind of do your do your physio monitoring stuff, make sure you're in good condition, and then uh, you get a chance to have breakfast and just and just sit and talk with the guys before you go out to train. And Rob, you obviously come back from South Africa, long trip back. Uh, when did you when did you leave uh, Bloemfontein, and when did you get back? We did a little bit of review stuff on on Saturday morning. Did some recovery in the pool out there, um, and then we got. It was, I think it was just past midday probably. We 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 left the hotel, a um, couple of different planes back into back into UK, back to Scotland, and then um, we're in, we're in two groups. So I was back home uh, early afternoon, and then I think the rest of the guys were a couple hours later. Does that take a lot out of you? Obviously, the the travelling, the game on the Friday night, and then all the kind of recovery that you've got to do, and then would you back in straight back in on Monday? It's um, it's it's a it's a long travel, but um, there's there's quite good there's quite good organisation around it. They they kind of they they set up well where they're kind of giving us a lot of stuff to to make the flight go easier and to be comfortable as possible on the flights. Recovery, I think, is important before we went out just to you're settling down anything that's sore from the game. And then we were in Monday, but um, kind of Monday was more of a thinking about where we'd where we're going to correct things this week. So just... It's a lighter day. Lighter day, tactical, um, and a little bit of gym work. Tactical focus on the Monday. And obviously it was a really tough opening fixture. Talk us through the, the week that you had in South Africa because you were out there for the week, weren't you, in, in Johannesburg? Yeah, we're out in the week. So we um, we stay in Johannesburg early in the week. That's It's also up altitude, but not quite as high as Bloemfontein. Um, so we... 
you know got some training there um both both on on the field and and in the gym pretty pretty close to to a typical week here to be honest just obviously we had we had a bit more flexibility with with meeting and so on and cuz we're, we're staying in a hotel players are were around each other the whole week so we could we could do stuff as as groups and meetings and there's the it's easier to, to organise all that stuff. Um and then we you know, day before the game we uh flew out to Bloomfontein again just to so we don't get up to the, the altitude too quickly. Um just uh so you can so you're you know maximizing performance up there. And we won't talk too much about the game but just how, how would you sum it up? Obviously, we're, we're looking to move on now, and we've got a big match on Friday night here at, uh, at Scotland. But just how would you sum that game up? Uh, we we yeah we did a lot of review on it. Obviously, um, while we're still in South Africa, and early on, early on Monday, um, you know it was, it was disappointing for us. It wasn't how we wanted to start the season. So there's you know a lot of work on defensively for us about how quickly we organise and just uh, and we were frustrated in attack because we felt kind of the way we were giving away the ball, not winning kind of kind of the race to the breakdown. We didn't really have a chance to to play much attack in rugby. So so kind of it's 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 lucky for us we get the chance to be at home this week and, you know, only if only kind of one week later we're gonna we're gonna have the chance to try and put those things right. And cheers were, were really impressive as well, weren't they, Ashley? Yeah, they were. Um now obviously we spoke about them coming out of the Curry Cup and uh, been dominant in that tournament, so you know I think they were uh, sort of a team that looked like they had you know obviously gelled well together over the previous eight or ten they were, games. They looked confident. Yeah, they'd, they'd kind of had that area or those games previous that they kind of could really gel together. So it was obviously you know difficult for us, um, but you know the good thing about having that game up first is we can sort of depict from that what we need to work on and and really move forward in a focused direction. So, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to start the league like that. I think last season, was around four or five, and we had the Kings and obviously had that upset. And, you know, I think we, we used that throughout the season to, to kind of remind ourselves of what it was like to, to slip down, to kind of um, underperform like that, probably the best way to put it. So, yeah, we're, we're back here on Friday night, and, um, you know, I think everybody just wants to get out there and, and really redeem ourselves. What are you expecting from the Scarlets? Because we've had a lot of, sort of tight contests with them in the past. Um, well, there's again they've you know they got one league game, a few preseason games. Um, they're they're trying to put a lot of pressure on teams with defence. They're bringing a lot of line speed. That's a that's a challenge for our skill set. Um, and and then their their attack. You know they are they got a lot of dangerous runners. They've they're sharp handling trying to they. They'll try and dominate with their with their pack, um, and then they'll they'll release the backs. They've got a lot of threats there, so it's it's a an exciting task for us, and it's it's a big one to to have here to start the the home campaign off with. I've just got to change the subject here, Rob. You are known as the the big red devil on this <laughs> podcast. You had a mention. Did you listen last week? Rob? I don't know if you listened to it, but. Um, what we were referring to when we called you that was how sometimes you go across to the sauna after training and I sometimes catch you when you're walking back across and see you walking into Scotson Stadium glowing red. Can you talk us through what's behind that? That would be, I think, quite interesting. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's basically um, uh, a performance aid that um, 
the when when you train either through weights um, or or running, one of the things that happens when you train hard, you start to feel you sweat a lot, you feel quite hot, um, and that's that's your body's response to to difficult training and. And your body will respond by by rebuilding stronger um, endorphins, growth hormone, and so on, endogenously in the body um, by by training and then immediately going to the sauna and adding heat. Your body gets that same heat response of feeling hot, of sweating. Um, so to your body, it gives it the same signal of I need to adapt, I need to grow stronger, um, and it works. There's a synergistic benefit, so there's a greater benefit from training then sauna than from either on its own, um, and so I just try and use that to 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 get a little bit extra performance gain out of rugby. Obviously, the the danger with it is is dehydration. So I'm staying, and you know the, the trainers are always on us about how much we're drinking and trying to drink through through all the sessions. So drinking a lot in the sauna, but also not too close to the game, just trying to be an optimum optimum uh, hydration for the game. Nice, great explanation. And how often are you doing that? A week? And have you kind of like yeah. over, because you've been doing it for quite a while now, I can remember, you know, I actually was in there at one point with you probably a couple of seasons ago, but have you built up the amount of time that you can stay in there or has it kind of stayed pretty consistent? Um, it's yes, it's been a few been a few seasons now. First talked about it with um, with uh, Stuart Yo when when he was the S and C coach here, and he was he was excited by the the potential of it as a training aid as well. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's something you can. It's something you definitely you adapt to a little bit. So so it's something you um, you wanna. You want to you want to use as a tool, and you kind of you will build up a little bit. If if you went in, if you went in the first time, you might do ten minutes, and then the next week you'll be able to do fifteen. I'll I'll typically do between twenty and thirty, depending how hot it is, um, and sometimes come out and back in. Um, and that's and as I said before, just trying to stay not too close to the game, just to to allow for especially hydration. So that's an early week thing. It depends on the schedule of the week. So if we if we're playing Saturday, um played Saturday to Saturday, then Monday, Tuesday after training are good days. But on this on this week when we're, you know, coming back from South Africa um on the Sunday and we've got a bit more compressed schedule or Friday night might uh like probably won't go in on a on a Wednesday for instance because it's getting a bit close to the game. So, so what you're saying, uh, just for our listeners, uh, so it was better to go to the gym and then go to the sauna. Yeah, there's a... But spend <coughs> 15, 20 minutes. If, if the listeners are interested, then the person to Google is Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who, who's probably the leading expert in, the, in the field. But there's, there is a, a proven benefit to training and then going into the sauna straight away. I was um, the time when you and I went in, I think it lasted about 15 minutes, and I remember at that point having to withdraw myself and you were frothing out the mouth but I think you stayed in for another 10 minutes or something so it's impressive very impressive right? we'll, uh, we'll come back to uh, some more chat shortly um, we're going to go to a segment now where we spoke to Top of the Moon uh, Kevin Miller about some of the centre partnerships that have played for the Warriors over the years The latest from Scotston Warriors Weekly Glasgow Warriors official podcast 
So great news this week. Glasgow Warriors' longest-serving sponsor, McCray Financial Services, are on board for another two seasons. McCray Financial Services provide clear, impartial advice that helps families plan for their future with services including investments, savings, pensions and mortgages. And uh, as the partnership enters its 12th and 13th years, we thought we'd have a bit of fun and look back at some of our centre partnerships over the last 12 to 13 years. The, the 12s and the 13s that have turned out for the Warriors. And to do so, we've brought in Kevin Miller, also known as Top of the Moon, who you can find on Twitter at Top of the Moon GW. Kevin, welcome to Warriors Weekly. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm good. We're looking uh, looking forward to having a bit of chat about centres this week. Uh, it's an interesting position, isn't it? There's a lot been a lot of uh, uh, good partnerships over the years. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of looked back, you know, um, like you mentioned, to the kind of 12 or 13 years, looking at the 12 and 13 position, um, trying to look at the different individuals, different partnerships, you know, who's been most successful, who's scored the most tries, uh, and some of the more uh, interesting combinations, shall we say. Okay, great. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, most appearances. Uh, who's made most starts at 12? Yeah, so in the, in the period, so we were, like I say, we're going back 12 or 13 years, you know, running from 2006 to the end of last season, you know, up to the, the final against Leinster. Um, so we've got our, our two different centres. We've got our inside centre at 12, which is, you know, Graham Morrison, you know, was the you know record appearance holder until Rob Harley came along. Um, but he had 77 starts in that period. Um, Pete Horn's actually not far behind with 69. You know he's been pretty consistent, had a, you know, and that's you know just games at 12. So he's obviously had starts in, at 10 uh, during that period as well. Um, and then Alex Dunbar, um, you know, 47, so almost a half century at 12 for for Alex. Um, he's also the the most appearances at 13. Um, Is with he 51? Um, so he's made so he's made 47 appearances at 12 and 51. A 13. Yeah, a pretty unusual guy because most of the players have, you know, very much a dominant, you know, they're either a 12 or a 13, you know, and they might slide out, you know, to wing or they might slide into 10. 12 slash 13 is very unusual. Um, so, you know, Alex, he's pretty much the only guy who's, you know, almost 50-50 for appearances inside and outside centre. And that's quite a difficult skill set. You know, mm. you've got to adapt to both those positions, you know, very different roles, all the different people people he's been partnered up with so and he's um, probably moved between positions during games as yeah well. yeah so you would have had to adapt so you know if Pete Horn came off the bench and he'd been starting at 12 he would have to move out to 13 so uh, pretty impressive actually you know th- you know I think uh, among the, this group he's, he's pretty unique you know in this in this sort of group of players that we're talking about um, the other kind of 13s with you know almost well 50 or just under 50 appearances we had Max Evans and, and Mark Bennett so again some some pretty exciting players you know guys who you know set the table for you know the back three you could break you know break the game open from 13 um, and it's, it's one of those positions where you need that that kind of outside break a lot of the time and, and those two guys definitely definitely had that so Pete Horn the only player that's still with us um, out of, of that that group yeah, I mean, I'd, like I say, I, I think he's 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 kind of getting to the, the veteran status now. I'm sure he probably wouldn't appreciate. I'm sure he'd love that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate that. But I mean, he's been around the club so long. He's one of these guys I think that that still links the club back to, you know, 
times when Liverpool weren't quite successful, you know, kind of pre, you know, making playoffs yeah. regularly, that kind of thing. So I think it's good having guys like that around. You know, they they, they still kind of link us to the, the past and, you know, he's kind of linking us back to, you know, earlier times and Furhill and all these kind of things. And also you, the club's history. And you've talked about his versatility as well, which yeah. is so important and his leadership as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I I think that's been shown with the amount of, you know, every coach has come in, you know, have, has always seemed to rely on, on Pete. You know, and he's he's always done the job wherever he's been put. You know, he's, if he's had to kind of cover in at ten or if he's playing at twelve, you know, whatever you ask him to do, he'll make a contribution. Brilliant. And um, let's just look at um, some of the the most sort of appearances as a twelve thirteen pairing. Uh, Ninety, is that right? Uh, yes, and ninety different pairings. Um, you know, I think so. We're we're, we're looking at about. Um, 350 odd games um, so you know there's a lot of different combinations have been in, in there and this is just again starting periods obviously within games you would have had to adapt you'd have guys coming in off the bench injuries you know I think we've ended up with Chris Fizarro having to fill in at centre on a few <laughs> occasions which I'm sure he must have loved yeah. um, but the, in terms of starts the, the, the kind of the top pairing in terms of most frequently selected you know was Graham Morrison at 12 and Max Evans at, at 13 which was kind of a, a classic big man, little man yeah. combo. You know, you had, you know, Morrison kind of absolutely thumping up, you know, taking it direct, and then Evans with the, the kind of dancing feet on the outside. Um, so is, is the big man, small man, is that, is that still quite a, quite popular in yeah, modern I mean, day it, rugby? It seems to have changed. I mean, it depends. There seems to be fashions. You know, you get now a lot of teams want a playmaker at 12. You know, they want, a, a, a kind of, I guess, the, the Kiwis call it a second 5 eighth. You know, they want someone with a handle and you yep. know, take a bit of pressure off the standoff. Um, so sometimes your your old kind of old fashioned crash ball centre at twelve is maybe maybe not quite the same kind of fashion nowadays. Yep. Um, like I say again, Glasgow have had you know very different kind of combinations. You know, you know you've got two two combinations with twenty four starts each, which have you know different attributes. You've got Pete Horn at twelve and Alex Dunbar at thirteen, and then on the same number of appearances you've got Alex Dunbar at twelve and Mark Bennett at thirteen. Now. You've got, you know, Dunbar adapting his game, you know, depending on who's playing inside or outside there. You've got Horn as yep. the kind of the second playmaker, or you've got Bennett as the kind of the exciting outside break, you know, the, the pace at 13. Um, so again... There was, there was a period there, wasn't there, where that was the go-to partnership, Pete d- Horn and Alex Dunbar? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, they've, they've both had their kind of spells. and Or Alex Dunbar and Mark Bennett, obviously. Yeah, it, it just, I think a lot of the time, you know, it was just who's fit you know yeah. a lot of the time I guess that's the, you know, the nature of rugby these days yeah. sometimes you just have to, to kind of work with the players that are available you work with who's fit um, but you know whenever you know Glasgow were able to put either of these two combinations on they kind of knew they had something that was really going to you know anchor that midfield and then the standoff can spark off that the back yeah. three can spark off that What about during the Dave Rennie era? Yeah, so um, obviously we've only got a, a couple of seasons to work with, but at the moment, as it stands, the, the most selected partnerships: Sam Johnson at twelve, Nick Gregg at uh, thirteen. Um, you know they've started twelve matches together. Again, you know Sam's had his injury issues, so you wonder if, if that figure actually would have been higher. You know if he hadn't had to miss some games through injury, um, and they both had international duty, which again impacts on this. So you, you know you end up. You know, potentially during international windows, you're going with some, you know, pretty unusual combinations to to make up for the lack of your front liners. But um, again, that's a 
Sam's a bit more of a hybrid. I mean, he can kind of crash it up. I think he's, yep. you know, he's still got that playmaking tendency. You know, maybe not the kicking game of Pete Horn, but you know, he can, you know, his passing is is superb. You know, it's as good as you know a standoff. Um, and you know, Nick Greg is just, you know, he's Nick Greg. You know, he's he's almost unique in terms of the you know, look at him. Small, you know, powerful. Yeah, he's just so hard to put down. Like you just watch him going into these contacts. And you think, you know, he's not going to come through that. And he just rides the contact and he just keeps on going. Yeah, it's amazing. It was a time there, as you say, when uh, Sam Johnson and Nick Gregg were playing a lot during those international windows. Uh, and now both of them are, are involved with Scotland at times as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, the, I think the first time they actually played together would have been for Stirling County. You know, so you would have had them playing together in the club game, you know, as, you know, when, when Gregg was an academy player and Sam Johnson was just fresh, you know, fresh over from Australia. And, you know, yeah, now they're both, you know, Scotland internationals, multiple cap. Sam's out there at the World Cup. You know, beautiful pass yesterday. They nearly put Darcy Graham away. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's good to see. It's really good to see. Sam really doing, doing very well, as you say, out in Japan. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> what, what's been your favourite partnership over the years? Have you got one that you kind of go to that you'd like to, like to see? I think... Um, Bennett and Dunbar, um, or sorry, Dunbar and Bennett to put it around the right way. I think just there were so many times in, in kind of big games, big European games, when that was the combination. And they say just it was the two of them together. They just balanced out each other's skill sets. You know, um, Bennett could offer a bit of the kicking game. Maybe, you know, Egg couldn't. Um, but Egg had the strength, the power. He would basically set the table. And then, you know, when Mark got the ball, if a little bit of space, absolutely devastating. You know, it's just all he needed. Great. Well, let's look, uh, move on to best win percentages. Um, what have you got here, Kevin? So looking at this period, you know, the, the overall win percentage for Glasgow as a club would be 56%. Um, so looking at some of the individuals now, taking guys with maybe 10 plus starts, just to, you know, if you've only got a handful of starts, it maybe throws off the percentages. But um, got an unusual one at the top there in Stafford McDowell um, with 82%. Um, so he's he's actually only lost twice when he started at centre for Glasgow. Won nine of the the games that he's he's played in. So he's had a pretty good start yeah, to his good. career. Um, I mean, I think you know that's you know that's Scotland starting inside centre going forward. You know, yeah. I think he's going to have a, a really strong career. Um, yep. Then a couple others. Um, we got Sean Lamont, who obviously played a fair amount at centre. Um, won nine, lost four, so sixty nine percent win percentage. Um, Mark Bennett. Um, and Sean really, was playing other positions as well. Yeah, playing it, you know, yeah, mostly in the wing. wing yeah. um, I mean, Mark Bennett, he's the guy, you know, with 50 plus games, you know, 67% win percentage. So when Mark was on the pitch, you know, Glasgow, you know, had a really, really good record, um, winning, you know, over two thirds of the games. Uh, and then Scott Barrow, who was, you know, back in uh, the kind of the late 2000s, um, he was a, a kind of utility player, you know, played a bit of standoff, played centre, played fullback. Um, but yeah, out of 15 starts at centre, won 10, lost 5. So, you know, again, had a pretty successful yeah, time good. when he was, was in the centres. Um, and then in terms of the, the pairings, I thought this was quite interesting, having a look at um, how these different yeah. combinations had done. So the, the top is definitely Dunbar and Bennett, um, 183. That's the most successful... Partnership, yeah. So played twenty four and one twenty of those games, and and those would have been big games. You know, these were the guys that they went to for you know European games. These weren't the games the guys you were going to for games against Zebra, you yeah. know, and, and kind of you know the, the sort of the, they were the, bit, the, the lesser the big games. games. Yeah. So to 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 come through with an eighty three percent win percentage, you know, yeah. it kind of gives you an indication yeah. uh, of how successful that that pairing was. 
Um, you've also got a couple with Sam Johnson involved there. So with Sam at 12 and Alec Dunbar at 13, 80% one percentage. Um, That's high, isn't it? And yeah. yeah. Uh, and Sam and Nick, uh, we mentioned earlier, Dave Rainey's go-to. They've got a 61% one percentage. Uh, one eleven and, and lost 7 in there. They're so 18 so how ago. many games did Sam and Alex play together and how many games did Sam and Nick... Uh, so it's 10 games for Sam and Alex games. together. So, yeah, they only lost twice in those 10 games. Um, and then Sam and Nick, have, it's 18, so they've won 11 so far. Okay. Um, obviously, they could still you know, improve on that You know, going forward, might, might get a few more games together. And who has got the tries, the all-important tries from centre? Yeah, so uh, there's actually some, some pretty good strike rates from centre. Um, you know, I think... When we look at the top try scorers for for Glasgow, you know you're looking kind of thirty plus. You've got guys like Stuart Hogg and you know Tommy yeah. Seymour, Nico Matuidi. But you know the centres have made a big contribution. Um, you know got Mark Bennett with eighteen tries, uh, Alec Dunbar with sixteen tries, and Nick Grigg with fifteen tries. Now Nick, he's actually got the best strike rate. So if you if you actually just take the number of starts. Um, and then divide, you know, look at how yeah. frequently he scored a try. He's scoring a try better than every, th- you know, one every three games. Um, Mark Bennett's one every three games exactly. So yeah. they're pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been one of the, the big contributions they've made from 13 is that kind of scoring presence yeah. and not just leaving it to the back three to, to you know, bag the tries. Um, Hugh Jones actually is, you know, from his starts, he's, he's scoring a try every four games. So again, He's a guy who's really got an eye for the trial line, you know, and the, yep. I think you need that from your centre, so you need them to contribute. Brilliant. And what about, um, has anyone scored three tries at the centre? Yeah, so we've had a couple of hat-tricks, you know, one from a, a 13, which was when Stuart Hogg, um, you know, again, this is this is going back a few years, back to 2012, he scored a hat-trick away to Munster. Um, and he started... He started at centre that day. Yeah, so he started at 13, which I think he did for that season. He did it. He had a few games at centre. Um, it, it seems to have kind of gone away that that kind of moving between 15 and 13, yeah. kind of. But that that or little, 10 as well. Yeah, that little period he, he he was kind of covering it a little bit in there, and yeah. we had kind of Peter Murchie as a very consistent fullback who could come yeah. in uh, and and take that 15 shirt. Um, and Pete Horn as well. He scored a hat trick at home to the Cardiff Blues when he was playing inside centre. Um, so you know that was a, a pretty special night. I think that was the the kind of celebration night for Al Kellick and Dougie Hall when they were retiring. Yeah, a really good performance that night, and, and Pete was the man who managed to to get on the scoreboard most frequently. Brilliant. And uh, any other unusual stuff that you've been able to dig out? Yeah, while you've been so doing research. Like I think we mentioned earlier about international windows, and, and you can sometimes end up having to take just kind of you know whoever's left basically who's uninjured or you know not in Scotland duty. So yeah, back uh, you know going back about almost a, a decade, at one time there was a, a, a centre pair went out. We had Rudy Jackson starting at twelve, um, in normally a standoff at the time, uh, and we had uh, an Argentinian player Jose Maria Nunez Piasek, who was actually a winger. Um, who had to move into 13 because essentially there was no one left. No. You know, there was just <laughs> that's all that was there. Needs must. Yeah. So um, it wasn't it wasn't the most elegant pairing. It has to be said. Um, yeah. Rudy's um, record in the midfield not great. He had three starts in 12, <laughs> and, and Glasgow lost all three of them. All right, now I'm so not saying that's all down to Rudy. It's probably the time. But of we year won't and, remind them. Yeah. It's totally the time of year and the opposition and the fact that Glasgow yeah. were probably you know decimated by yeah. you know Scotland call ups. 
uh, and he was just doing has, his has best he, filling in. Has he played there since? No, no, okay. not since. Yeah. <laughs> no one's, no one's <laughs> ever kind of called him to do that since then. So, okay. um, yeah. enough said. <laughs> and what about anyone, uh, anyone else filling in? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've we've had to kind of cover. I mean, there's a, a whole rake of players who've had maybe you know the odd appearance at, at centre. You know, DTH did it once. We even had Tangieli Nairavoro. Um, I can't imagine pushing him <laughs> into the centre, but um, yeah, just for for one one uh, mad occasion, he was in it. He was in it thirteen. Um, last World Cup period, we had you know, Hugh Blake actually starting match yep. uh, against Munster at Toman Park. Actually, did really well. He was that, a ba- right? back rower, as well. Yeah, he was a, a flanker um, yeah. and had to kind of fill in. Um, you know, I think it was his, his second game for the, the club, and he suddenly, you know, this back row playing out in the centres. But he actually did a really good job. Um, yeah, a sevens player, I guess, so he probably had some experience of the wide open spaces. But that was a day that Glasgow very nearly came away with a win from Toman Park, which would have been pretty remarkable, um, but not not quite, unfortunately. You do see back rowers and centres switching sometimes don't you see him playing so you do see a lot of back rows playing centre yeah so I mean we've the, we've had the, the ultimate I guess is, is Richie Vernon you know I don't think anyone's quite done it the way he has you know to, to actually come back to Glasgow you know reasonably late in his career you know he'd obviously he'd, he'd had you know he'd broken through at Glasgow as a back row he'd gone to sale as a back row he'd had an international career as a back row you know come back up here and then to make that conversion at that stage of his career be good enough not only to break into the Glasgow team but then to go to the World Cup in 2015 with Scotland and, and have a second international career as a, a centre I think it's just you know yeah, incredible you know really it's just well. a remarkable achievement uh, to, to do that um, so I think yeah in terms of your if you want your kind of your your forwards suddenly appearing in, in the backs I think he's he's the ultimate uh, for certainly for Glasgow and Scotland and he's, he did all right with uh, Pete Horn as well didn't he yeah I mean that that was a I mean when we talk about you know, we've talked about people having to cover and you know having to deal with injuries and international call-ups. And Glasgow's championship winning season, you had Mark Bennett and Dunbar was that was your pair and that was the centre pairing that you know Gregor would have wanted to go to for the, the big matches. And then all of a sudden you get towards the end of the season and neither of them is available. It's not just that you've lost one of your pair and you've lost both of them. Um, so he goes to Pete Horn at twelve. He goes to Richie Byrne at thirteen. They've played together once before that. And then for that six-game run towards the end of the season, you know, including the, the semi-final and final, yep. that's the combo that's on the pitch. And you know, they just they did it perfectly. I mean, they, they were so good defensively. They worked off each other, you know, in attack. You know, they brought the outs, you know, they say backs into the game. But to think, you know, you never would have thought at the start of the season that was going to be your your pair at the end of the season. You yeah. just, you wouldn't have thought that was how it was going to pan out. But, but you know, they did it and, and they adapted and they, you know. They couldn't, they couldn't really have had a happier ending, yeah. I guess, that season. So, Fantastic. And uh, talking about versatile players, talk to us about Colin Gregor. Yeah, so, so Colin, I mean, you know, going back to kind of mid-2000s, a scrum half, he also played a standoff. He started at centre, he started at full-back. You know, I think he probably has a, a strong claim to be the most versatile back in, in the history of, of Glasgow. You know, it was, if, he, if he could maybe just squeeze out one start at the wing, he could have completed the set. <laughs> Didn't quite manage it. Maybe not quite quick enough. But, um, yeah, played everywhere else in the back line for Glasgow, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, is it, did, did he move there? Did he move to the wing during a game? Can I you, don't you? think so. I don't think we ever quite got to that stage. I would, I'd need to really kind of dig through the yeah. records and things. But um, but to, to start in all those positions? Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, not many players could, could manage that. Um, you know, there's been... It's actually an interesting thing I've noticed that, you know, more recently, 
the kind of link between scrum half and winger seems to be strengthening. And we've yeah. also got Nico, Nico Matuwalu. Yeah. You know, we've had George Horn has played yeah. in the wing for Glasgow. Um, there's a couple of, you know... Sure, Paul, Ali's... Yeah, Ali's kind of covered there. He had to do it for Scotland, yep. uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> against yep. England. Yep. Um, but Tom Haberfield down in, in Wales. Um, and then they've, I've seen, you know, there's been other wingers um, as well, who have, or sort of other scrum halves who've covered the wings. So yep. yeah. I think it's it's that pace thing you now need as a, a scrum half. You really need to be Lee so Jones. quick. Yeah, you need mm. Um, so I think there's a bit more yeah. of a kind of crossover there um, in that yeah. those two positions. Okay, let's uh, round up by talking about some dream pairings. What have you got for us? Yeah, so I, I thought about a couple. If, if you're talking about your kind of your your fantasy twelve thirteen just for pure entertainment value, if you could put together anyone at all, I think Finn Russell, who had played a handful of games for Glasgow at twelve, um, and then. Max Evans at 13 I just I can't imagine a more kind of bonkers pair I don't know how it would work I don't know if it would be any good I don't know if Glasgow would win any games with that combination but you it'd be ne- fun you'd never be bored no yeah. definitely not yeah. um, but I think the, the kind of pairing we've talked about if you're looking for your ultimate pairing over this period the, t- the guys you would want to put in if you had a, a massive game um, it would be Alex Dunbar at 12 Mark Bennett at 13 you know I think we've kind of talked about you know the one percentage you know they're both try scorers they give you everything you could possibly want, I think, from a 12 and 13. Yeah. You know, between the two of them, they can combine for all the skill set that you need. Um, so, yeah, that would, I think that would be the ultimate. That's the one you'd want to bring in if you had to, a must-win game. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Kevin. Really appreciate it and uh, some great, great stats there. Uh, just Can you just remind our listeners where they can uh, follow you for more... What great stats. Yeah, so the, the Twitter handle's at top of the moon GW, um, and then the blog is on top of the moon.com. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll no doubt speak to you again soon. Uh, so, yeah, great chat there. Uh, looking at 12 and 13 uh, partnerships over the last 12 or 13 years to celebrate our new deal. Uh, renewal with McRae Financial Services. Uh, to find out more about McRae, you can check them out at mcraefs.co.uk. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast. I'm Jerry Bonham here with Adam Ash and Rob Harley on this week's Warriors Weekly. Um, we came back, we were talking there earlier, uh, Rob, about coming back from South Africa. Monday we went into the SP Energy Networks building in Glasgow. Um, can you tell us a bit about that, what, what we were doing? Uh, we, we came in, um, we, had, we had breakfast with, uh, with the guys there. Um, all, the, all the business club members? Yeah, rest, rest the business, Glasgow Warriors business club there and got a chance to, to just mingle together. They grabbed a, few, grabbed a few guys who'd been in the Scotland camp earlier on um, and Dave did a, did a quick Q&A on what they... They thought the basically what how the training had been, um, what the what the prospects were for for Scotland in that game, which I think they were all they all fairly presently predicted the Scottish victory. Yeah. Um, and then we we sat down and I guess you'd, you'd call it an auditorium. They had a had a number of seats on kind of a much like the stadium out here on on the slope, and then a a huge a huge screen to to watch the match on it was a good way to watch it yeah it was good it was a massive screen uh, I thought this is something that we do quite regularly these business club events we invite our sponsors partners business club members along so great opportunity to to mingle with them and uh, have that as you say have that Q&A and then, and then watch the game yeah it was fantastic actually in the 
when we first went in, we were, it was in the, the Scottish Power Building, which I'm sure everybody who's been around Glasgow is familiar with, but it's a cracking big building. Um, so we went in, we had breakfast, and I spoke to a chap briefly who said that he was a big fan of the podcast and listened in every week. So if you're listening, uh, send us a review. that um, feedback, and it was great to chat. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a cracking place. The the auditorium was was fantastic. Comfy seats. Um, I think a few of the guys. Uh, this wasn't a reflection of the game, but we're nodding off up at the back. <laughs> but it was no, it was great. And to they see dimmed Scotland. the lights and the yeah, it was. It was. It was nice yeah, and cozy. Jeremy and Bowen was snoozing away. Uh, no, he wasn't. It was. Uh, it was not as cracking. It wasn't and, uh, me. The guys obviously played great and managed to turn things around from the week before, which is great to see. A um, little bit nervous towards the end, but managed to, to get the bonus point. So, uh, yeah, we, we managed to do everything we, we had to get done. And a huge man-of-the-match performance from, from Johnny Gray, putting a huge yeah. shift, didn't he? No shock there, he always does. Um, yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought all the... The whole, the whole team did well, but it was especially nice seeing the Glasgow guys going out performing. Johnny just... You know, being his usual self, being abrasive, working really, really hard, and obviously smashing anything that came anywhere near him. Yeah, so that was uh, that was great, and uh, obviously some huge games uh, coming up for Scotland next week uh, against Russia, and then of course they finish with that that huge one against Japan. So all to play for. Yep, it is. Um, obviously, the way this pool's played out, it's kind of you know. It's kind of open to, to three teams, I guess, to, to progress. So, obviously, the, the next two games are massive for Scotland. And, um, yeah, we're going to have to, I guess, look at two bonus point wins, I think. So, um, yeah, we, we wish them all the best of luck. And hopefully we see the Glasgow guys faring really well. Great. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. And all the best on Friday night against the Scarlets. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers. And don't forget, uh, we're here with you every Tuesday night. Warriors Weekly at 5 o'clock. Uh, we're back at Scotsland on Friday against the Scarlets. Tickets for that one available from glasgowarriors.org. And then the following Saturday, we're at home again against Cardiff Blues. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye for now. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.